Dear listeners, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Everyone's trying to usurp my C's now. Yeah, no, no, we're going. You're going out of history. Dear listeners, welcome to <laughs> the I Drop. You blew it. The creamiest podcast on the net. All right. Okay. We're here with special guest Jake Smith. Yo, yo, what up? Danny Labaca, Amos Rindow. <laughs> what's up? And uh, we got I'll Knox producing on, produce. the, on the side here. Executive producer. Uh, executive producer. Pro executive producer, director, slash photographer guy. Okay, right, quiet, if you guys didn't catch that, that was Amos Rendow being a, dude, a finagler. You guys <laughs> keep messing around. I tried to get... <laughs> well, now Knox you're tried to have steal... to have Illabaca on the Knox on the tried to steal the intro credits last time. Wait, you said his name. And Amos is trying to <laughs> cut it now. Cut in on my steez. But anyhow, welcome to High Drop. No, it's, like, already said. Said. it's already been said. Yeah, well, I'm welcome saying it now, so it doesn't count. The now, podcast now welcome to Hype Drop. And you're yeah, officially welcome. Yeah, but it wasn't a true welcome. Alright. It wasn't in your eyes. The warmest welcome from me. Okay, well, so nice. this is Jake. Jake Smith, you yep. guys, uh, this is a special Apex Movement Bros edition. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually like to be known most by Jump City Seattle. So if you're oh, this is Team Road. <laughs> Team Rogue member. American Ninja Warrior, actually. Yeah, American Ninja Warrior as well. I don't associate my name with the Apex Movement very often. (laughs) (laughs) Only partial gym owner, operator. No, they kicked me out. They kicked you out. Oh, I've heard heard of so few going that way before. That's why I'm going full force on American Ninja Warrior. Improper (laughs) conduct. 100% American Ninja Warrior. From here on out, every, every inch of your training is going to be good at salmon ladders, basically. All right, so if you don't know Amos, which of course you do, because if you're listening to this, you know mostly. My name is a brand. In parkour. You're, you're pretty big. You're a hot I'm a, commodity. I'm a brand. You might have heard some made-up words. Ukemi, Rondori, uh, yeah, he's Masala. Yeah, you know how I came up with that? What? I was on LSD in the desert, <laughs> and I just started making <laughs> sounds up. Rondori. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good one, Rondori. That's when you just go. That's when you just go. <laughs> yeah, you made up a word for just life. Just live in life. Is that what it is now? I don't know what project that is. No, it's true. I'm a B-rate. I'm a B-rate. You're Bruce Campbell. You're pretty hot. You're, you're hot. I was hot. Now. I was hot back in the day. You haven't done anything. Back in the day. How old are you? You've just been going your braids out. <laughs> you don't want to say your I'm, age on the podcast? Listen, okay. Yeah. I'm 24 now. There's a lot of... When I, when, <laughs> 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 when I was 19, I was big. I don't I was think on there's, the scene. there's that many girl listeners. People I think you can, tell, <laughs> you can tell people how old you are. It's not a big deal. <laughs> All right, I'm 28 now. <laughs> Listen, That's how fast he ages, guys. He's actually 34 at this point. Oh, shit. Just 30, and I'm in my 40, prime. 50. He's going fast. He's graying in front of my eyes. <laughs> and now he's bald. His hair just fell out, and he's wrinkling up on the couch. Braids are still there. Um, but serious, on a slightly more serious note, you have uh, you have pioneered like a lot of new like studies in the area of falling. Yeah, thanks, man. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that? I'm gonna talk about really Kimmy. Hmm. parkour Kimmy. Yeah, falling for. Actually, for I want to say this first. <clears throat> so, anyone out there who's not an ignorant buffoon is not gonna buffoon. disagree that falling is really important for our practice. Today, we got to see. Mason takes some insane falls. <laughs> yeah. um, all of us were present for that. Uh, he was double conging uh, a pretty decent roof gap, and it was yeah. actually double conged down. And you may as well be four stories high when you're practicing your okemi, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know if he was practicing at Kemi. I think he was trying he was to not, I wouldn't say show. he was intentionally practicing yeah, at Kemi. I think he was, he was trying definitely. to show us what we should do. If I wonder you if that's how he rotate a double Kong. Either way, he, he, he had mentioned that he might have tried the handspring, but I don't know if he was going for the handspring still. Did he mention I that? feel like he, he... I think someone put it in his head, he and that's one of the reasons right, well, why Well, here, let's it. explain this to the <clears> listeners. Uh, Mason went for a dive Kong, and he over-rotated. His feet were up above his head when his hands yeah, touched the wall. Yeah, he super-powered it. It's kind of like that Toby Seagar... Uh, <laughs> did I say that word? Seagar. <laughs> Toby Seagar. Um, if you're that famous, like, hips too yeah, high yeah, yeah. bail where you can't really block your hips down underneath you. There wasn't as much of a drop, though. As his, like, Mason was a little bit worse because he was his trajectory was coming down a little bit t- more towards the wall. And so mm-hmm. if yeah. he didn't do anything, if he would have pulled the cigar, yeah. he probably would have just raked his face across well, the Well, yeah, wall. 100% credit <laughs> so, to Mason. He gave it enough power that it didn't matter if he fucked up on any stage of it. Yeah. He was going over to the other side. He was not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was not going to die true. or hurt himself any... That's like, true. You know, but serious. we'll post but a guy, picture of it for the, for the <laughs> listeners out there. Just a freeze frame of Mason upside down. The side of that's got to come in a video. Dude, handsprings. The, the, the end of the story is that dude handsprings out of a huge. <laughs> I'm almost positive his gap, arms are strong. Roof gap dive pong. <laughs> he handsprings out, but he's got a bump on the noggin. He did bump. It was a little bump on the noggin, yeah. actually. Yeah, that's probably mostly friction, but it's a golf ball size bump on the noggin and bump on the eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way Mason handles it, the pr- his landing impeccable. Well, this is one thing that I was, like, interested in. Like, all right, here's my theory that I'm positing to you fellows for scrutiny, to my peers, for peer review. Hypothesis from myself. We're training at heights, right? We were up there on the rooftops. You definitely would rather overshoot than undershoot on those kinds of gaps. Do you think it plays a role in, like, why his hips were over... Like, his trajectory was too powerful, like, basically. It was more power than he needed. I don't have anything to to speak for Mason, but if he was going for... Maybe not for Mason, but just in general. If he was going for handspring... Speak freely. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that guy. No, if if he was going for handspring, then I think that the amount of power is perfect. What I... I mean, I don't know if he was going for this kind of thing, but it seemed like it was... Oh, he wasn't going for It seemed like it was dive comp all up until he got there. And so then it was... Face spring, <laughs> well, just a little bit. He he mostly controlled it. He's super powerful, but that's that's what I'm saying. I feel like if he had an idea for well, right before that, he I wanted to do this another, before he, he, took he was a, in the air and then decided he took like, another bail like similar like before that. He did the, he double conged it first, remember? Yeah, and his yeah, hips were a little bit too high. Same thing. He he dive rolled out. Dive rolled. Dive roll break fall. Yeah, dive slap. Yeah. <laughs> slap it takes roll. a lot of fortitude. I think come up so well, I think. I think this is, like, uh, an issue sometimes. It's, like, when you're training at height, your technique is modified. Un- un- unconsciously, perhaps, <clears throat> or consciously sometimes. Like, you know, sometimes I'm looking at a jump. If there's a big drop on the other side, I'm like, all right, definitely going to undershoot over right. instead of overshoot. Like, right. And it's sometimes hard for me to stick it because I'm leaving my weight behind or something on a that, precision. Yeah, that's actually a, a mental, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a mental game I play with myself. Um, and I started doing this when I was training with the guys in Bordeaux, France, uh, a couple years ago. They were jumping a big pre with a death drop on the other side, and it was so hard not to undershoot. It's that whole mm-hmm. mentality, like, it's better, you know, to yeah. drop back a little bit. And we kind of played this mental game where we try to get ourselves to get our weight and our chest over the ledge, which is super scary because you're looking yeah. down at a death drop as you're sticking up precision. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we play these sorts of, like, mental games with each other. Sometimes. Did you eventually stick it? Yeah. Oh. Did you 
here I was doing the same thing, same exercise the other day with Dylan on not a death drop, but like a you don't want to take the drop drop. <laughs> I know what the you're talking about. Like not like you wouldn't break your legs or anything. It was on a bridge. It was like if it was concrete, it would be death, but you would fall into water and you just get like you you'd be wet and it would. You're talking still about be a the bridge drop. with the weird stride over there. Yeah, exactly. And same deal, but we were able, or he especially was practicing turning like the 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 bail on the other side, which is the turnaround cat. Right, right. Did you guys get into that at all? Or do you not want to on do On this particular wall, you couldn't, which was really intense. But yeah, absolutely. I've couldn't? A bit. You couldn't cat on yeah, it? Yeah, it was a rounded edge. If you try to, oh, there's no oh, holding. Shit. It was a huge slipper. Damn, that's so, gnarly. Yeah. What how about, far, what do you, on that, what's your, <laughs> did anybody die? I want to know how far. Uh, it was at least three feet. So <laughs> I was having to jump about 20% of my jump. Oh, nice. Three feet is 20% of your jump? Yeah. Uh, quick math. So you got some serious <laughs> hops, is what you're saying. This is a broad jump. No, no, no. So you jump 15 broad feet. Jump broad jump standing. Broad jump 360. <laughs> <laughs> trolling us, trolling us right now. You're the. I don't think he ever stops trolling. Actually, it's the, it's the Jake Smith rubbing off on everyone. Mm, Jake I'll Smith, rub, one of I'll the rub it off on you. kings of sarcasm, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that was that was our taste of ukemi for the day. Taste of Ukemi for the day. Well, you also, you also have a little bit of uh, well, you know, like Pioneer Rondori, but you were the first person I've ever heard to call that, like, going, and now it's it's parkour for real. Like, you're yeah, doing... Yeah, explain this. You're doing parkour, there was some controversy going, over this. You got oh, some God, backlash from Australians especially, yeah, I think. Australians especially. What happened? Like, what, what is that? What, so, explain yeah, Rondori to people so they don't hate you. Yeah, so I never even heard of this guy, David Bell. <laughs> I started... <laughs> Studying parkour in real life. Uh, no, for real. Uh, so I didn't see a whole lot of uh, focus on how parkour can aid a person in real life. And I'd had some real life experiences myself. So I was interested. This is kind of one outlet my creativity takes me is to, to find out how I can use parkour in real life situations. And when I realized I started applying this to real life scenarios that I could see happening in my life, I realized that a lot of our training, the way we train on a normal basis is just not adequate. So <clears throat> I started uh, looking at maybe more common shapes that we don't really address, like mm. chain link fences or ladders, things that it's funny, like talented tracers are kind of clumsy on. Mm -hmm. um, and then also thinking about what other skills a person would need to be calm in chaos or adapt to mistakes you make because... A lot of us will come up with a line, we'll, you know, have with four techniques. On the third technique, you mess up, and what do you do? You just stop doing your line, you turn around and walk back to the start. Um, whereas I think a lot of these skill sets that come from running obstacle courses or doing competitions, where you don't have that chance to just start over, but instead you have to adapt and deal with the mistakes you make on the fly and then react yeah. to them, uh, are really important for real-life experiences with parkour. So... So what was the you issue know. people were taking with? Like, um, they just saw so, it as like, hey, you, that was the whole point of parkour in the first place. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that are have these really strict ideas of what parkour is, right. and they don't acknowledge all of our, the international experience of parkour, the evolution. all the different ways that people practice. And what they were saying is that the project you're doing, that's parkour, so it's um, 
redundant to, to say so. Yeah. To call it something I can like get, a project I can site. get behind that, Right, though. and I understand that a little That's bit. That's why we have a term for free running, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get behind that a little bit, but at the same time, because there's such a huge lack of attention on those aspects, I, w- I wasn't saying, like, Hey, I, I thought of something new, guys. So, you know what? You were, like, almost, you were almost taking it back to the parkour elitism where you're like, guys, flips are dumb. But without, <laughs> really, yeah. without really pulling up all those, all those fights on the internet that people were having sure about parkour versus free running. So you're like, I'm going to bring in this new thing called Rondori. <laughs> <laughs> really, we're just doing parkour, a purist parkour. <laughs> so, we're doing David Bell's parkour up in here, but we're going to call it Rondori. so i mean to give to go back to more serious note yes there i understand that that viewpoint but at the same time this isn't something new this is a project that i would like to put my creativity into with other people who are interested Mm. to start studying these things that we don't normally study um so it's not like it's something new it's actually just a focus it's just magnified for instance um in martial arts you study first how to strike then you learn how to combo but eventually you need to study sparring. You have to be right. in these live situations. Yeah. And that's sort of the problem, isn't it? It's like people just, they learn parkour, and then they get to a, <laughs> this stage where they just keep doing strikes over and over and over again. Right, right. They're they, just don't, they don't really start sparring. Right. Right. They don't get into that sparring mindset. And that's more so what I'm getting after is I want to try to find drills and methods um, and ways that you can, as a beginner or an advanced practitioner, um, start to put yourself in these sparring situations mm-hmm. so that if you care about parkour being a part of real-life um, situations and emergencies that might come about, you're a little more prepared. I'm not saying, like, this is the purpose of parkour, like some of these elitists out there are saying. You're just magnifying that that area of your training a little bit. Right, and right. Like, like, just going deeper. Yeah, keep like, an eye on it. Like, well, what would that be like? Am I prepared to deal with that? And if not, like, what are some things that would help Any scenarios that? in particular that yeah. interest you? Like, not that you think necessarily, like, these are the things you need to know, but just, saving like... Saving a cat, pulling saving, somebody actually, out of yeah, a saving burning cats. building. Saving cats is what it's all saving about. Saving cats. Dude, yeah. those cats, let them die, man. They taught us how to They climb up a tree. <laughs> they don't know how to do parkour, man. They're animals. They need to know that stuff on instinct, or they're out of the gene pool. Forced Darwinism. <laughs> No one saved me, dude, when I climbed up a tree. Now look at me. Now look at you. You're on podcast. Yeah, but who brought you off the streets? <laughs> off the streets? Yes. Group of know. cats. You, you, you take me. For that? It was me. <laughs> I was on the streets, son. I'm still on the streets. <laughs> I live on those streets. Podcast yeah, you is actually being recorded. Wait, any, any serious ones, though? Um, <clears throat> like any, I mean, saving a cat, I don't think, like, Honestly, you'd have to study Ron Dory. Depending right, on how high up right, he is right. in this tree, not a huge amount of pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Not a here, huge amount of, Here's like, a good serious one. Um, it's interesting. We take for granted living in the United States in a democracy what it's like to deal with uh, a government and law enforcement. But if we start to look uh, through a lens that's more international, there are certain situations that where people are fearing for their lives in dictatorships or in the midst of genocides. <clears throat> and I think eventually if this information and the fruits of what come from a lot of this training can be given to, to people to more empower them in these situations, that, that inspires me um, to think of like, <laughs> Knox is making weird faces at me. It's hard to keep talking here, but <laughs> um, I think if we were to empower these people um, in these situations, I would be super pumped about it. 
What kind of situations are you talking here? Just I'm like, thinking like dictatorship. Dictatorship. Wait, let me paint the scene. Okay, okay. There's a big statue of this mean tyrant, tyrant up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Then there's this big like marble building behind it. Maybe there's yeah. some bricks in there, but it's tall and it's people on fire. And there's guards and there's people are guards with assault rifles. Yeah, <clears throat> things are ablaze, and you're coming in hot, full ninja outfit, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to plant like the bomb. No, no, that assassinates not... <laughs> Congress or something, right? Is that what well, you're saying? No, I don't want to say that I'm advocating <laughs> violence here. Okay, let's let's go another. Round. No, no, there's no one in the building. Come on, man. No, no, no. Someone's trying to move important information. Okay. And, and they haven't heard of the internet. You need to get in there. <laughs> you want to expose, yeah, don't know you want to expose corrupt politicians. <laughs> you got to sneak into the government building with your flash drive, hack yes. in. Um, and this is you... really just bringing to light how much parkour is actually not worthwhile at all. <laughs> and it's, it's just a bunch of adults pretending that their kids are jumping on <laughs> shit and acting like hoodlums. So we need to, you're saying we need to start actually acting oh, like superheroes yeah, just, and doing total. things for good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, okay, so the, the way that puppies play prepares them for their real life You're saying we should start biting each other. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. You got to get out of that. You got to get out of that. The teething stage is not good. All right. You have to, we have to stop it. teething and become grown dogs here, <laughs> but still play? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, when we, when we sneak around at night and climb on stuff, I think right. that actually we're learning a lot from that. Okay. If there's someone stuck that. somewhere, we need to save them. Or if someone throws yeah. a ball and we need to get <laughs> it back to them as soon as possible, just for whatever instinct triggers on when they throw that thing, we got to get the fuck you know back what? to them. You guys understand Rondori? I think we can move on. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't even get to Ukemi, really. We talked about Mason falling, but yeah, that's I actually way. wanted to dip into that a little bit further before we move on, yeah. like to because that's another project of yours. How has like Ukemi changed your experience in parkour and your training? Um, so I actually I got to hear a little bit of your first podcast, and I got to hear Dylan speak on fear, uh-huh. and he and he actually mentioned Ukemi. I would say that's the biggest way <clears throat> um, that I've noticed Ukemi changing my training is that. When I first started, I dealt with a lot of fear, and I just kind of hucked it through fear, mm-hmm. and I didn't really like the way that felt, um, the, the pressure of that and the experience of training, and when I actually started uh, practicing the falls ahead of time, and when I started studying that um, in regards to concrete and walls and rails, I actually started finding that my training was way playful and fun. Mm-hmm. I would do things I know I couldn't do. It wasn't like, okay, there's a 20% chance I'm going to get this. I got a plan B. It was like, you know, someone would do something crazy, and I know I can't do that, but I could still go for it. You could try it because you know that the exits are there for you. Exactly. And so it made my training super fun, less serious, and, of course, I had a stronger progression, got injured far less. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is it just changed the mentality and my overall experience. You know what I'd argue, though? Be a broken heart. You know what I'd argue, though, is that... <laughs> not going into that. All right, <laughs> 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 sorry. In, in Ukemi, like, we try to tell our students to cultivate uh, a body awareness, and not just uh, a body awareness, but um, actual muscle memory to falling in the correct way, a way that would be safe for when they're falling. Yeah. Their mind defers to the safe position. Absolutely. And yet, I think that the real thing from Ukemi comes from just the mindset of have fun falling. So that it doesn't come from the idea of, well, I need to drill this a thousand times. Right. So that way I will always do a break fall if I'm in this position in the air. Well, it kind of brings it back into that sparring mode 
I almost, almost think if you almost enter that mindset that you that you entered when just starting this idea as yeah. as you know, and then bringing in the the jujitsu uh, mentality and calling it ukemi and all that bullshit, that, <laughs> that all of that legitimate stuff that you were just entering a mindset, and it didn't matter necessarily what you had practiced a thousand times. It was more that you were okay with falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like this really militant practitioner about it i wasn't like drilling hard that's kind of what it came back to is really having fun in those situations that usually people fear yeah mm-hmm. and that's the way it should be trained really like i put out some drill videos and some stuff to work on but i'd, I'd hate it if people were working so hard on just drilling falling techniques and mm-hmm. not actually training i'd rather them have fun falling try the drills a little bit well, and have fun with them i hope yeah, i think this is why uh <laughs> Yeah. I like. I hope he had fun doing what he was doing. <laughs> he looked I'm like sure he had he fun until he knocks his noggin. Yeah, whatever. He uses all smiles until then. He got more than one, right? I think anytime you take a bail, that's like, you you did it, do the right. I mean, he, he did basically all he could in that situation. But anytime you actually get injured, you, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm actually injured, I have to rethink things for a second. I sit down Absolutely. and I, sure. I lose my um, my just uh, playful attitude. I'm like. I don't want to be hurt ever. So I need to like figure out what went wrong and I have to sit and analyze like what's going down. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I try to have that all out of the way ahead of time. I think this is why technique like study, like the the techniques you pick are the most, it's the most important thing you can do in your training or around not most important. I won't say something like that. I haven't even thought about it. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. That's heavy. But I think this is a really huge aspect of my training is picking techniques that suit you. So picking something that you can't fall well out of is like almost like a, a a way that I wouldn't want to train. If I don't think I can like fall, or if I think falling is a possibility and I don't know how to, yeah, then that's not good. I think it's important to pick things that you actually are comfortable falling doing. But then the the other so idea there is that once you once you step over that line and you're doing things like say you're just shit at jumping to rails, you know. Mm-hmm. And you don't have an idea of what it'll be like to bail out of jumping to rails. It's still going to feel like a level up to you to get this thing that a thousand different tressors have. That is, you know, just jumping to rails. But for you, it was like the huge level up that you tried it that day. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, wait. What are you saying? Because I... I'm saying that I don't necessarily agree with, like, if you have a way to fall for it, then you should go for it. And if you don't, then fucking leave it alone. Oh, I didn't say necessarily leave it alone, but like okay. I think um, if you if you're not comfortable <laughs> jumping to your rail, especially if it's like at handrail height, you're saying that you should go for it even if you're not. Down no, no, I'm not saying anybody should go for something that they're not comfortable with. Well, there's 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 a there's a soft line there. You should definitely push things that you think you know you logically can do and aren't yeah. comfortable with, but not push things something that you're not comfortable with and logically don't know if you're gonna be able to do. Yeah, okay. Well, what's the point? way I feel about all that is it's a very personal thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course yeah, I snow. judge people online. Yeah, if you <laughs> fall really bad, I'm going to post it up on all my pages. Look at this I'm idiot. Tell, yeah, I'm going to do that to you most what likely. What should he have done? But at the same time, that's a very personal <laughs> thing. I, I think um, ultimately, whether you're prepared or not, I think there's a lot of mental stuff going on, and I never judge people for those decisions because – I mean, unless they just look completely unprepared. But um, for the most part, I think it's not, very... I'm not judging thing. them like, shouldn't do that because, yeah, yeah. man, that just makes parkour look bad and whatever. Yeah. Like, you, you're blowing it, bro. 
I mean, I, I wouldn't do those things because they don't benefit your training. Like, you get better faster, I think, if you're picking the techniques that you're talking about are in the priority. zone that, like, you're learning stuff and you're not really that frightened. Right. If you're super frightened all the time or if you're taking bad falls because you're not practicing things that, like, are within your sphere of, or your realm of abilities, um, maybe they're in the realm of ability but the fall but isn't, might, then it's I mean, like... You might be able to argue that if someone's constantly putting themselves into a state of being super frightened, like, the, at the height of their fear and doing it anyway in, in a way that others would seem, like, reckless or, like, mm-hmm. they were just asking to, to hurt themselves or die even, yeah. that they might grow used to that feeling and sort of then have the fear phase out. So now they're, they're working at a high level of technique that, that for them would be, like, they're always at the highest point of fear and then that stuff just becomes, like, they're used to it. That sounds pretty risque. Yeah, it does sound pretty risky, but it's almost how I think of, like, I mean, I'm not saying that's how Dylan does it, but that's how I think of Dylan. He's, like, always doing stuff. Yeah, but I think Dylan is super high level. But he's not scared to do those things. That's fair. He's not near the height. Like, when Dylan's scared to do it, he, I would say, often doesn't do it. Yeah. So that's where I think, like, and that's where I see a lot of the most ridiculous tracers and and freerunners, like, that's where their mentality is usually... I don't want to do stuff that scares me. I want to do stuff that's amazing and ridiculous that used to, I think, I, I used to think was scary, but I'm actually surprised at how not scared I am to do it, to try it. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. That's just the way I, I would prefer to operate. I, I don't know. And, and I, that's why I've heard, like, yeah. other people speak about it. And, again, these are just opinions. But if you're actually using fear and, like, trying to overcome it without really analyzing what's going on there, I think it could be dangerous. You have to really analyze what's why is the fear benefiting you, or, or are you actually doing something reckless, like you were saying. So I think Dylan dug deep and he realized what's what's he afraid of, and he figured out okay, I'm afraid because I don't have the falling. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to fall out of this if it doesn't go well, yeah. or I don't know if I can do this, or I don't know what that surface feels like. He talked about it a little bit. He talked about these yeah. three areas, and then when he thinks all those things out, he realizes he's not afraid about it, or he's there's just something information he doesn't have, right? And I think it's better to look at it. This is also the guy who <laughs> did the manhood. <laughs> I can Which, trust him. <laughs> that's a. I feel like people look at that with a, a skewed viewpoint of like, oh, you almost died the first time. You should have left it alone. And there's, there's Dylan, just I'm just joking. An entirely different sort of place than he is with his training. For sure, I'm, I'm just asking. You know, honestly, that said, I haven't seen him do the manhood gap ever again. <laughs> you know, he did go back and do it. I know after oh, that, after that, after, that, after yeah. the time that he got it. Yeah, I think he CGI'd that, anyways. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He but um, you know, honestly, all all, all my work and projects with Kimmy on it's all it bores me. All right, <laughs> I want to talk about Jake Smith, and I and also something a little more interesting. This is this is parkour related because it's a it's a common theme in the parkour community. Jake, you're polyamorous. <laughs> this, this is a common thing. So are you know you. what? It actually is a common thing in the parkour community. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. And I and I want to hear about <laughs> yeah. your lifestyle. Your Wait, polyamorous, crazy, crazy motorcycle <laughs> riding polyamorous <laughs> lifestyle. I want all the juice. Like this. This you the had the motorcycle pot. first. If, if, <laughs> Amos is the pot, and he's definitely calling Jake <laughs> the kettle. 
like reverberly black right now. <laughs> okay. Just so we're all, so we're all clear. All right. Well, okay. Fine. Either way. So you you Jay. were the you were the first person I knew that was actually polyamorous. Are we going with polyamorous? I thought you were like to use non-monogamous. Is non-monogamous. That's true. Actually, I do like. You know, see, I'm I I'm actually finding myself with the term polyamorous being more accurate to me than non-monogamous. Well, please tell. <laughs> please explain. But there's there's not Let's a whole lot. Let's define some terms here like, a little bit for those listening. <laughs> don't oh, yeah, know what we're talking listening about. To there's people listening to this conversation. Okay, Jesus let me just, just say this. There's not a whole lot that goes into it. The term polyamory can be an all-encompassing thing that can mean whatever you want it to mean for your relationships. But in general, it means that you are defining the way you live your life in intimate relationships with other people as something that maybe deviates from the norm by way of having more than one uh, partner. It doesn't matter... I like the the dynamics of those partnerships will be different, or you know they will they're whatever you make them, but that's that's the overarching term. So that said, nice. Um, I know that you prefer the term non-monogamy because it uh, because polyamory impri- implies amory implies love for each person there, and you might not feel I don't love like anyone. A, <laughs> you don't love Except anyone. Yourself. You are you are well, yeah, a curmudgeon. I'm, I'm awesome, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one would wear a tie like that if. <laughs> if they didn't think highly of themselves. Yeah, let's talk more about what we look like. I'm going to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you going to be on TV later? I thought we were on TV right now. No, this is just audio. But you we're think gonna, that... We're going to post a Wait, sorry. Did you, actually, did you actually bring this up as something that is pervasive in the parkour community, or you just wanted to give well, me some I, shit? It is pervasive, and I also want to know more about your experience with it. Well, you should have asked me privately. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. You know what? It's true. I wouldn't want you to ask the same of me either. So uh, let's ask. But, uh, let's, no, let's, let's move on. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. Let's well, you on. brought it up. I mean, yeah, I love Amos. Now listeners are curious. I love Amos right. and let's I love Let's not name Brandon. names, but did. And I love Knox. <laughs> let's not name I don't names. want to name any names. We're not going to be gossiping here, but I do. I, I think okay. the listeners now are, their interest is peaked. Everyone's on the edge interest of the chair. Their interest is so peaked right now that you have to explain a little bit about why you think it's worked for you. Hmm. And why I really made... should not have brought this up. <laughs> it's too late now. It's too um, late. Okay, well, uh, let's see here. I don't know where to start. Maybe a more specific question. Um, all right. You, why, why do, you, uh, do you think it's better to allow yourself? Do you feel like you're more honest? Okay, actually, yeah, that was what like I said. In relationships, if you I have th- less limitations with uh, defining it in like a yeah, traditional Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I think for me and my personality... When I'm honest with myself and with other people, the traditional relationship doesn't work. The relationship. And by traditional, like, we mean. I mean, two you're, people. You're two people, and you, you like you're exclusive with each other, Monopoly. whether or not Simply, you want to be. Actually, not just, just because it's like societal. Not, not just exclusive. I guess I mean more so the tradi- traditional relationship where people are just like, "Hey, so we boyfriend girlfriend now," and then the, a ton of stuff is just assumed of the structure of the relationship. They don't discuss, like, um, their boundaries or where they feel comfortable. You think traditionally... Oh, yeah, I gotta pause it for you. Or <laughs> for you. I keep using that word. Um, the tra- a traditional relationship, like, uses these blanket terms without actually hashing out and, like, having right, right, conversations right. with their partners. Right. Is what you're and, saying. and I'm not against monogamy. Um, you know, I, I completely for all these different structures. But I think it should be talked about. I think people should cater their relationships 
to the very unique situations they're in mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, a lot of problems arise when you just assume certain commitments. Mm. You're just like, hey, we're boyfriend, girlfriend now. And then next thing you know, a couple months later, somebody else something you're like, what the fuck? That was, you know, you're my girlfriend. You can't <laughs> be doing known. that. You should have <laughs> known. And uh, I think the biggest thing is people just need to talk about that stuff. So really the base of everything is that you're a womanizing (laughs) jackass who just wants to sleep with as many people as possible. I was going to build up to that over about 10 minutes, (laughs) but you saved me a lot of time. That's what it's not. That's for the listeners. That's, that's exactly what it's not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's not let's try to. Anyways, that, is that really? I think this is a less than even than a parkour thing. It might be a generational thing. Like, yeah, it seems uh, like yeah, yeah, probably, in yeah. general, the youth of the nation and the world. We are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are. We uh, are more. Are more down to the, There's so many. I don't know if it's a generational thing because so many of our parents are divorced, and like it seems like marriage is. Uh, a concept that rarely works and and only works when there's strong communication between couples or whatever. And yeah. I think that just generally everyone's just more on board with these progressive ideas. I mean, progressive or not, like at least non-traditional ideas. Yeah, for they're, sure. They're down to try stuff out. And I think that regardless if you're going to be monogamous or not, I think you make a strong point that... And maybe, and maybe your stuff. thought that, that it's pervasive in the parkour community exists because people in the parkour community generally fly in the face of tradition and yeah. the way things are supposed to work. There's got to be a connection there. I've never had more group sex since I've been doing parkour. <laughs> Once I started doing parkour, it was just like every single couple was inviting me into three ways left and right. Yeah, no, that uh, makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. The obstacle is the path. <laughs> I don't even know what that's crickets. <laughs> no, I had to I had to imagine that for a second. yeah, so that's true. I think that the parkour community especially is like exceptionally like on the cutting edge of um ideas, at least trying ideas out and it I'm a grown I'm a grown man, I'm willing to do cartwheels in public. I'll extend I'm that also... to an athletic community because it's not just parkour people. I hear trickers especially refer to non-athletic people as muggles and then that's, that's usually what I talk about when I'm wearing something that's not like sweats or hair and pants or something that I can actually do parkour in at any moment of the day is muggle clothing so I think that I think that idea is just pervasive in any community that is physical any any community that has a kinetic relationship with the world around them. but parkour is I mean specifically tennis, a little bit but parkour golf. yeah parkour does specifically fly in the face because we use there's, but there's, it's a very young discipline, and so is yeah. tricking. That's what I'm saying. And is we're like repurposing the environment, like we're exactly very we're repurposing like, things. That... There's, I think there's sports like, I mean, if you want to call them sports, some people would argue maybe they were like, <laughs> hobbies, or whatever. whatever. Anyhow, like there's like football, even like giant organizations that they just their roots are so deep, and then there's probably just more piled on to those things mm-hmm. like there's more root history and just like a traditional at knocks this guy's ass out ladies and gentlemen but um see this is a parkour thing you just don't oh, see that yeah. right now you don't get a moon just yeah. you don't have a guy just walk around with his pants off and then another guy get a half mask what did i say that so casually yeah you did yeah okay <laughs> that's parkour that's parkour. But i think partially because it's a young person's like right now because it's just it's a young sport. It's just yeah. like there's so many people that are generationally not tied down by like past ideas. Yeah, yeah. traditions and uh, also there's no commissioners. There's no like some 
Rich needs pulling the strings. Like, well, not all the time. <laughs> That's those are some of the uh, the communities that. That's true. Not everybody likes so much. Ooh, ooh, ooh. shots fired. Unnamed, John. Unnamed <laughs> shots fired. I'm not saying me personally. I'm just saying that <laughs> shit gets weird when you have an entire parkour communities led by people that do not do parkour. Very true. Very true. And screw those guys from. Nope. <laughs> Didn't do it. Fill in the blank. <laughs> I don't even really know who you're talking about. Honestly. Yeah, me neither. Um, but Jake, you're into this free love hippie kind <laughs> Sky, of lifestyle. Why do you, you're what also does this have I also to do with parkour. No, this this has a lot to do with parkour. You're also just running around the world barefoot. Okay, let me let me tell you this. When I first met you, everybody was just referring to you as the homeless guy. <laughs> and I, like that was your shtick. That you seemed like, and I'm pretty sure you actually were at the time homeless. But I wasn't barefoot. But you were not barefoot. So I find it interesting to that all of the new ideas that uh, I've been experimenting with in the last few years of my life. And I don't know if barefoot training has, has tacked on to that as, as the same idea. But when I find myself at the top of uh, a pine tree sitting on a branch barefoot with my eyes closed or maybe looking up at the sky and doing ohms meditating, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? When did I become some fucking hippie? And I'm in like Pearl Look Street, Boulder, Colorado. I mean, and my hair is... He's got the monk, definitely. monk hair down. And he's wearing like a monk-esque... I definitely rock the top now most of the time, but I, I don't... Necessarily think. Are you of gonna get all big arrows tattooed on your forehead? <laughs> you feel like all the way down my arms and my feet and my forehead. Yeah, I want okay. them all to just go along the lines of my chakras. You got to get in that spirit world, homie. <laughs> I'm gonna about. I'm about to empty and become wind. In uh, but in in ser- in seriousness. In seriousness, you um, do. Yeah, you're I train, one of the few practitioners I, that trains almost exclu- I mean, exclusively barefoot. Yeah. At least in and barefoot you, shoes. Often, more often is the case. You have no shoes on. Yeah, you I mean, do big stuff. You, I've seen you do huge stuff in barefoot. We want to know what's going on with that. I the more you train at the extreme levels of like pillow shoe or barefoot, and I'll say like the more I've trained barefoot, the more I've seen, or the more I've been able to see huge differences in just like when I train with a barefoot shoe on that literally has no insole in it. It's a small, thin layer of rubber between me and the ground with no heel drop or anything like that. And I still, at this point, because I've been training barefoot so long, like that's a pillow shoe to me. Like I was doing some high drops today that I don't think I would have done if I didn't have if I didn't have my quote unquote barefoot shoes on, what you got? You got a millimeter of rubber. Like, I know, and I'm, that millimeter of rubber. I've, I've, I mean, not to brag or anything, but I've become sensitive enough to where that's a huge thing. And I would encourage that's anybody cool. that wants to just, I don't know, discover kind of what their body is capable of to train at least like fifty percent barefoot, you know, and just check it out in safe environments and doing things that because. Things that they're they, are you that ever tempted because, to go back into pillow shoe oh, territory? fucking all the time. All the time. <laughs> oh, really? And it's not... Right. <laughs> because I... Let's see. I put on a pair of those rainbow Ariakis oh, that my I God. had. <laughs> that <laughs> I just had. It like, they just over. disappeared. I've seen my last 80s. one I felt like. Oh, yeah. They definitely don't make them anymore. But I had a pair because... K-Swiss sponsored, like, the last, like, run of Ninja Warrior that I did really well at. And I had a, uh, had a leftover pair of... Ariakis that I never wore and I put them on because I had worked a hole through my Vivo Barefoots 
And I was taking him outside, and I was like, holy fucking shit, I'm invincible. <laughs> I was doing all this stuff that I don't usually do. And most most of it had to do with, like, friction on wall runs and tacks and and things like that. But the height drops especially were just like, wow, there's, there's, there's an area to this. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the same as if there were a, mat, a, two, like a, a two to three inch crash pad on the ground that, that I could just oh, jump yeah, to, yeah. flip to, do whatever I wanted to. And yeah, it makes a huge difference. So I don't know. For me personally, it's almost like the like a drug temptation of just wanting to go back <laughs> to a casted foot and, you know, like so that I could do all my big shit. And I think that there might not be anything wrong with that. Like I could throw yeah. on a pillow shoe from time to time if I want to do some really cool stuff. But the problem that lies in it is that if I don't train in it constantly, then you're like, uncomfortable. Also, then I'm uncomfortable on. in this new big shoe. I feel like I have this clumbering thing on my foot, and I'm no longer as sensitive. So mm. it can go back and forth between those. Um, yeah, but you know. but what are the advantages then? Because I don't want di- to. We we don't want to advise people not to try it out, right? Like you don't want to. No, I don't want to have to be uncomfortable in my shoes from now on. Blah blah. blah. But I think that it's I mean, served you well in be- making you a beast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if it, for lack of a better word, like you have mm. a really sensitive touch, like you were saying, mm. and that's made you like be able to do a lot of a lot more frequent training. I think than some some people who like they're taking more impact in their body because they can. Through their padded shoes or whatever, sure, and uh, and it's my it's maybe beyond like their the level that like they're they're doing they're training too much too high impact, and it could be slowing them down actually. Yeah, there there might be a risk of that. I don't know. It's it's all up to the individual person because I can I can only speak for myself. Um, all I can say is if you want to try it out, give yourself an extended period of time because it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for you to get used to holy shit, bars are not the same. I mean, like, bars especially. Like, mm-hmm. you cannot just go at the same speed that you normally can with shoes on. Like, that was the thing that when I put those Ariakis on, I was like, I don't need to fucking worry. I can stride across whatever <laughs> I want oh, to. Oh, I landed, like, oh, literally like on the, on edge the of back of my arch, yeah, exactly. and it's, uh, whatever. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> so and it's whatever. Order. Whereas you find, like, those soft places and those nice places when you're, uh, when you're training barefoot. But I honestly think that it did improve my my form and my ability to go at it with with shoes on so I back that for sure i mean yeah. i don't train exclusively barefoot like you but i train maybe not 50 percent, but like 35 40 percent yeah i don't, I don't gym, think like all socks or barefoot or with barefoot shoes on and like kind of the reason else... i do it is so when i go back yeah. i feel more invincible exactly. like you were talking about and then i'm just like more down to do some bigger stuff for sure, and uh, which is like what I like to do. I gravitate towards like some of the more high impact like ballistic moves or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't stick just to the barefoot. Although yeah, I, I mean, feel if, like it's if nothing really, else. Really fun. If and, nothing else, you're making your foot stronger in ways that you didn't expect. Tiny yeah. little stabilizing muscles and even making um, bones and muscles in in the right areas more dense. Because now they're working when they didn't before, so For I don't sure. know. I definitely encourage it, but at not at a stage that's like, oh, I'm gonna go even like up to, <laughs> I'm gonna take my shoes off and go up to like eighty percent of what I can normally do. That's still probably a little bit too much for people that are starting, starting out. out. So like, For sure. take it, take it back to like, 
<laughs> what did you just like whip your dick out or something? Yeah, he he is over here making he eyes at I thought like, I was Amos looking at his laughing. thumb for like at least two minutes. <laughs> his thumb. It was not his thumb. I heard it was bigger. Knox, you're the worst producer ever, man. You're just a Yeah, we don't have any music going See, on. Honestly, no, no, no. When, music when I look at the, the credits of a movie and it <laughs> says executive producer, I'm pretty sure it's just some guy that was taking their dick out half the time and distracting people from the goal at hand. Yeah, yeah. training. Yeah, basically, Ariakis are my favorite shoe. And <laughs> next subject, we're actually going to cover shoes next podcast. Oh, he's got a plan. Which is um, just going to be about Ariakis, man. Uh, it's just going to be about. Yeah, we're just going to chalk it up. We're going to get that case with sponsorship, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're the can, sail on through from the, there. Uh, Cano obstacles. Which was the the Cano obstacles? <laughs> that uh, that's the wolf put. Oh, with with Anyways, I think um, I think we're ready for some fan questions. Actually, right oh, now, shit. Yeah, yeah, questions. Oh man, I've, 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 I've been piled on. Let's uh, let's go through. Do you want to go through too. yours first, or uh, let's look, just post. look at some of those weird shit Ooh. people are sending to me? So um, we put it out there that Amos and Jake were here for this podcast, and uh, there was a, quite a response within the last what just forty minutes that we yeah, posted. Yeah. It, you know, and, 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 and some wild stuff too. Like people are. I'll tell you, no, you're so famous. <laughs> How are babies? Let's see. I've got about ten questions here. That means I'm pretty B rate. Oh man! Well, I've got three, three questions, but they're they're now. super long. So I you can tell my fans are just hardcore. I didn't post my own, so <laughs> I don't have any. Damn questions. my my fans are getting deep. Look at this. What is the answer to life, the uh, universe, and everything? It's not in English. Uh, Sorry, we'll have to talk about that later. That's that's a good question, actually. You think so? Yeah. Well, well I mean, yeah, it's a good question. But, oh, okay. <laughs> forty-two is the answer. Well, that was easy. Next question. Next question. Uh, I've actually been struggling lately. The past couple of years, I'm growing. <laughs> this might be part of the hippie bullshit, but I'm growing <laughs> increasingly more existential in the like the entirety of the ways that I've I view my approach to life, the world, parkour, everything. You and it, it's helped. It, it helped. Yeah. It's helped in a lot of ways. <laughs> And in a lot of ways, it's been, I mean, that's the reason why people call it existential crisis. But uh, the the answer to that question, as far as I know at this point in time, yeah, is that uh, there isn't. There, there isn't one. Okay. <laughs> so there is no, there is no answer to life. Tasha's hopes. <laughs> the universe and everything. So the, what the beauty in that is that you can create it entirely yourself. Is if meaning is uh, subjective, then you can fucking project whatever you want. Anyway, that's my answer. Okay. Very, very swift answer to a very complicated question. Yeah, it makes me feel a little more comfortable about being violent on a mass, in a mass situation. (laughs) Right, if you just want to shoot up a uh, parkour jam, which that hasn't happened yet, surprisingly. Surprisingly, no, par- no surprisingly. parkour jams have been shot up. That's really, that's really interesting. You scare me, Jay. I'm, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, I almost don't want to have this conversation. I didn't too. say I wanted to. <laughs> I I, I'm definitely <laughs> still a living thing, and in that, I want, I want to, I want Be to the perpetuate only life. All right. Uh, <laughs> God damn. You it. said such eloquent stuff, and then we just now everyone's questioning their, your judgment. Oh boy, I'm just kidding. All right, what's the next? What's the right, okay? First we got to hear this stream. Give us everyone, know, everyone knows Brandon Messenger, right? Check uh, out everyone. This no, guy, I doubt it, but no, like, no, everyone knows Brandon. We Messenger. all know it is, yeah, yeah, and everyone out there in the world, of course, everyone out there in the world. Okay, 
Check out this guy's stream of consciousness. Amazing. Where does the difference between a gnome and a dwarf? Answer that first. If you ha- no, no, you gotta hear the stream of I, consciousness. I think I can get that one, actually. Yeah, I know you got that. I know you got that, but listen to the stream of consciousness here. Where does the difference between a gnome and a dwarf? If I had to be one, which would it be and why? What is life? What do you believe is our ultimate purpose on this planet? What so a transition life there. questions. The very last question. We just cover the what the life purpose is. You yeah, gotta give your that. own meaning to your own life. Yeah, and, you don't uh, even need to try to embrace that and be part of the universe. You need to be at one and whatever. Yeah, okay. Next. But Jake has the first half of this crazy transition. What do you got, Jake? But the the difference between a gnome and a dwarf. Well, yeah. you can. I mean, maybe you could look at Lord of the Rings for a good uh, example of what a dwarf is. It's, you know, a hardy, slightly taller than a halfling sort of individual, bearded, axe usually wielding. very, yeah, axe-wielding, sure. <laughs> they, they make very good warriors. Um, something like, or you can, or can you can Those are much as, smaller, as first of all. Garden-dwelling things. No, that's actually not true. Uh, I didn't know. No, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Gnomes are smaller. Gnomes okay. are smaller. And they're a bit, uh, they're a bit more, I want to say, Elf-like, they have like they have more whimsical uh, sort of features. They have like a wider mouth. They have any bigger powers? eyes? Yes, they actually have. Do uh, they any powers you need? They to ha- they have a number of. Oh, what is the what is the word? So, all I see is you sitting in a tree <laughs> and saying all this to you. So I'm basically right? I'm basically a very large gnome. Okay, well we know there's a size difference and they're more whimsical. What if you can think of one? there you go, Brandon. <laughs> this is for free too, by the way. I hope you know that. If you can think of a, a halfling or a hobbit, something like that, but with more pixie-like features and with some some modicum of uh, I mean, magical ability, that's that, there's your difference right there. So there you okay. go. <laughs> well said. Well said. Back to parkour. <laughs> back to back, whatever the next question is. Oh, okay. You're, we're going with me still. All right. Here's actually a serious question from Chris Cox. Thank you. For a serious question, uh-huh. what do you feel most practitioners' weak point is, or something important people overlook as far as parkour skills? That's a pretty good question. I feel like we could put out some good information this moment. Um, we do it. I I know what mine is, and I think that I would extend it to a great many people, and that is comparing yourself to others around you. Damn, man, you pulled it right out of my mouth. That's, yeah, really? That's what you're thinking? Basically, intention behind movement. Like, we, we could say, oh, people don't focus on their climb-ups. That's, like, pretty generic to say, and it, it, may, mm-hmm. it might be true. But I think the biggest thing I see that people overlook – is that the question, or are we totally straying away? No, 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 that's it. <laughs> people overlook. It's funny. I was, I was thinking um, about this earlier, too. Go ahead. You know, when it comes to skills, because it is a skill, right, is the ability to battle your ego through, especially during beginner phases, yeah. and um, realize that the intention behind the movement is so much more important than – looking a certain way in other people's eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I find that what takes the piss out of my training and and my life in general, especially in parkour, is that when I start to say something like, fuck, look at what that guy's doing, I need to catch up. These people are doing triple this, double that, blah, 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 and I start to compare myself to their accomplishments as instead of like thinking of... What I want to do with my right. what, mm-hmm. what challenges me in my own training and the way that I want to move through the world, right? The other Whether day. it's for thirty minutes or for you know for my entire life, then then I then sucks my motivation right out of my body because I'm now looking at my life through a lens of egotism and self comparison to 
to these other people. It doesn't fucking matter. That doesn't. Right. That's not why I started doing this. Yeah, the other day, um, I was doing my max broad jump, and a twelve-year-old kid jumped further than me. <laughs> I put him in timeout. Yeah. And fuck that um, guy. I, I'm ashamed of that though now. <laughs> was it Aiden? Look, yeah, it was yeah. Aiden. Aiden leave, by the way. One of these days, we're gonna get the Grams on here. <laughs> oh man, Aiden leave is ridiculous. If you guys haven't watched the most Aiden. recent Gremlins videos, very well yeah, edited. Yeah, shout out to the Gremlins 2014 video. And shit. shout out to Aiden Lieb who now jumps as far as me, and he's half. My well, time. you just don't jump very far. So, <laughs> did he? Did he actually yeah, go in time? <laughs> Who's nine feet nine inches? Like measure that. Pretty solid. From it, toe to heel, damn, that's beast. He, he's he's a not even kid. He's, he's got some incredible movement for sure. That was a difficult conversation while I put him in timeout. Well, the intention behind the movement is so important and like also with comparing yourself. But even just when you're not comparing yourself, I think it's important to be mindful of why you're doing that jump sometimes. Like I found myself like just training like lazily some days. Not lazily, but just like not mindfully. I have no idea why I'm doing the jumps I'm doing. And it's really like... <laughs> It, it, it's unsatisfying, and then it becomes really a uh, – you don't go anywhere. And I think yeah. it's important that, like like you said, you, you're, it's all about your journey and your experience with your own movement. And if you're not – whatever it is you want to – if you just want to have fun or if you want to challenge yourself and surprise yourself, like focus on that movement that's going to do that. And, and, and what, I'm finding, like, what I'm finding more and more as, as I watch other people and as I examine myself is that it like the movement doesn't even really matter. You'll like you'll look at somebody who's made a, an incredible athletic accomplishment, like mm-hmm. being able to tumble into a quad backflip, or people that can do standing back tucks, mm-hmm. um, or no, sorry, standing double back tucks. <laughs> so <laughs> you know all kinds of double twists, triple twists, like all these like athletic accomplishments that are really great, and they're always moving forward. And you look at those and think it's really magnificent. And then there's a certain kind of stagnation with everybody trying to catch up to one another that that makes videos and and people just not fun to watch and then what comes out of it is that just a certain element of creativity or a certain element of self that yeah. seeps through in people's videos and and if you're training with them in person whatever that you just like you love that person mm-hmm. you love that person for either how clean they are how creative they are and it doesn't matter what they're doing it doesn't matter how small it is mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how physically or athletically impressive it is you will love watching their videos always one of those people for me is um he doesn't put out any content but um starting is, is starting to grow is is the amount that he like film stuff uh-huh. is brandon help um oh, yeah. instructor Absolutely. on so much help we we're all on Help's Nuts every podcast. Oh, yeah, really? Really? Like, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I haven't actually now. listened to the other podcast. No, we like, love okay, him. So, so, yes. We love him. Brand House, so clean, so smooth, so creative. And authentic. In the same way that, the key is and authentic, the authentic yeah. Almost right. in the same exact way that Vinnie Coriel is. I almost think that he should probably be like a move to inspire or something like that. It's like the exact same style of movement and style mm-hmm. of freedom. It's, it's wonderful to even watch. It's liberating. Uh, another one of those people that I think just appeared in the Flow Show um, with Tim Sheaf kind of uh, kind of incorrectly like calling her out was uh, Emily Sisson, who mm-hmm. is transitioner trans, uh, tr- transgender transitioning from male to female. So I think that's why he was like, you know, kind of incorrectly calling out like, oh, I guess that's what the dude's name is, like whatever. <laughs> but 
she is amazing. It continually inspires me. And she's also one of the only other people that I've seen that consistently puts out stuff barefoot as well. And yeah, she, she has this air of moving through an environment and just like, it doesn't matter if things are small, if things are not sick or like, so, it doesn't well, matter. She just keeps is, like, going and then moves in of, stuff that challenges her along the way. And it's beautiful. That's always what I beautiful. think is like the most important thing that you can take from like what we're talking about is just, at the end, in the end of it, parkour is a, a medium for us to express ourselves and challenge ourselves. And it, like you said, the movement doesn't really matter. Right. Anytime I've ever done anything that like, I felt accomplished, whether or not people thought I was sick, you know, it's great when people do, but it doesn't. I don't care. That's not what I'm after. I'm out of. I'm out to challenge myself, and like, it, you know, any accomplishments that I may or may not have had, it's just the 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 the, the, the satisfaction doesn't come from me, like. Yeah. impressing anyone it comes from just me like doing something that I like set my mind out to do or whatever and this, yeah. this is bigger than parkour I, yeah. I, something I've been thinking about um, lately is just the fact that you can get so many skills in life you can work your ass off to have so many achievements things you can brag about things that you're capable of doing and none of it matters in the end like who really gives a shit <laughs> what it comes down to is in my opinion is whether or not you can authentically express yourself mm-hmm. in the moment and connect with people in real ways. And through parkour is often how we do that. And so it's way bigger than parkour. And that's what I love about parkour. It's also a venue to practice these bigger things. You know what I'd even, what I'd even say is in these situations, we I, this is about to get philosophical, but oh, um, <laughs> that we always say, like, this is the way for me to express myself. I almost think that it's entirely different from that because... Nobody really knows who they are, right? right? Uh, as like, to go there. Yeah, well, so nobody <laughs> no, really no, knows, like, want to talk who about am that. I? So it's, yeah. these, the, it's in these moments that we say, oh, it's them <clears throat> expressing themselves. I think it's them inventing themselves. This, the, this is the moment that they decide, I am this for right now. Yeah. I like that better. I, I think, like that better. I think that's... Uh, than expressing. A good, very good way to put it, because I... I don't feel the the same person day to day, even yeah, or, absolutely. or month to month or minute to minute. Sometimes you know, it's just that's why, especially those achievements, they don't. I'm not connected to them, right? And, and even uh, though you're a different person from you know day to day, even moment to moment, potentially, I think a lot of us really intuitively feel when we are connected mm-hmm. to the person, the the real invention, yeah, uh, as opposed to you know faking it or trying to be something in but someone else's eyes. Th- that's why that's why it's it's hard when you examine something that like, what the fuck? I used to be able to do this. It's because you've already defined yourself in that moment. Right, right. You already have a definition of yourself based on your past, not what you're capable of moving forward in your future, what you're going to invent yourself to be. So you'll like you'll step up to this jump that you did one time and you can't do it now. And you're like, what the fuck? This isn't me. <laughs> I'd already established myself as this. Right. But it's all temporary. Right. So you're already, you're creating a new person for yourself every moment of the day. And that's, that's, what, scary that, thought that's what that beautiful moment reflects. That's what that beautiful moment reflects. That's what that flow state, that ghost I think that's, state reflects. Um, it's a bold like idea sometimes for people to accept. Not even accept. It's not necessarily a, a true thing. A true it's nothing that's anybody But it's something that we experience. I mean, and I think it's... It's a it's a weird thing to live in that mindset sometimes to really be scared of like losing your your prior self. If yeah. you don't if you're not if you're not truly not attached to these things, you kind of don't know who you are, like you were saying. And yeah. you have to invent yourself like you're again saying. Super dope. 
Super dope. <laughs> super dope. <laughs> right, here's the, I say super dope all the time, and you're just owning it right now. Super dope, sad, but stoked. <laughs> you, yeah, maybe you rubbed off on me, bro. I think Knox invented the phrase super dope. <laughs> I think it was probably like a James oh, Brown, like, bizarro version. Super dope. Super dope. All right, so there's a lot there for you, Ian. Or no, who's that? Cody? Chris Cox. Oh. <laughs> um, what's the next? I got, got a few. I got a fun one from Cole Milner. This is Ooh. one of my favorite games. Big tall uh, bastard. You gotta kill one, marry one. <laughs> or I'm gonna correct him here and say fuck one. Kill one, marry one, fuck one. Yeah, okay. in, here in the podcast. And luckily, three? we have Knox as a co-producer, and he's Wait, so we room. have to. Well, now we have four options. We could disclude someone entirely. Uh, oh no! This is perfect because we can't include ourselves. Yeah. All right, so we have four people. So uh, let's Kill hear one, it, Jake. Marry one, fuck one. Well, I don't necessarily believe in marriage, as we've already sort of established, <laughs> or it's at least dipped into it a little bit. Well, you might. But let's say, have to, but let's say, to, part of okay, game. I have to, I have to. Yeah. So kill one, marry one, fuck one. You know what? I'd probably kill. Oh shit. Let's see. Kill this one. This is going to last forever. When marry one. I know mine. You already <laughs> know yours? I'm ready to go. Kill you know Amos. I, I'm pretty sure. Taking his job. <laughs> <laughs> Kill Amos. Taking his job. Taking his job for show. I'm going to live happily ever after with Jake, and I'm going to fuck this shit out of Amos. <laughs> yeah. See that? <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I think that I would kill Brandon. Oh, man. Uh, no, no particular reason. Just okay. because I don't want to marry or fuck you. Oh man! Uh, I, I think Knox would be super, uh, just stellar in bed. Plus, I've heard he's got a great big cock. So <laughs> there's that. So fuck Knox, and then marry Amos just because he has progressive ideas. And I think that would be a very, it'd be well intentioned marriage. I think that we really work with each other. And we could have monogamous sex. For exactly, and we're not. Both of us are not monogamous, so it really doesn't matter that we're married. We can just. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. We define have just define the aspect of our relationship. Right. Wow. Maybe you should Amos, do this. Amos, Amos is the last. Um, damn. Okay. Well, clearly I'd marry Jake because we'd have these <laughs> open terms. We'd probably have like three terms all the time. <laughs> <laughs> more than we already do. More, yeah, Maybe more than we nuts, already do, which is scary which is me. to think about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Who would I kill here? I love Brandon. I love Brandon. <laughs> But I would never fuck him. I I kissed Brandon once, and it was terrible. Yeah, well, Brandon is the worst kisser <laughs> I've ever kissed. In my I can't life. kiss a guy well. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can. You got it. It's hard to put. He's comfortable, man. I don't know. I saw him stick his tongue down Vinny's mouth, but <laughs> Vinny Fiaco. I mean, Vinny Fiaco. <laughs> but I mean, uh, Brandon screamed into my mouth. That's dude, the kind I'm of way too hetero. <laughs> <laughs> Can't it was like do a very it. guttural scream into my throat. That's the kind of kisser Brandon was for me. So, I mean, I'm I'm willing By to way, get a like... second try. So I'd kill Knox, and I would fuck Brand. I wouldn't even kiss you. I would just fuck. You. Oh my god! I don't <laughs> I would want to do fuck this. Fuck you like you've never been fucked. It's making me uncomfortable already. I'm gonna scream again. <laughs> don't be uncomfortable, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, is that that was the question, right? Yeah, Knox, do you want to chime in real quick on your picks? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, guest appearance. Think about it for a yeah, second. Yeah, We're I gonna get back to Natalie you. Natalie might. Yeah, wait until we're in the middle of no, another she, actually really good. engaged does conversation. Nat, does your girlfriend then. listen to this podcast? I think that I want to fuck Jake. <laughs> the, that's my fucker. Okay. That's who I'm fucking. Fucking. Did Jake he get shit. that from everybody? No, he. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. He got married a few times. 
Yeah. Okay, nice. I have fucked twice and killed once. It's pretty solid. We can't just sit here and listen. Decide, son. Well, you can kill me right now. I already live with Dougie right now. How would that marriage be? So you want to marry him? Kill Amos? Well, I feel like you have to have that balance. Like, we're so... Amos is pretty old anyway. He's on his way out. He might bring me down, but... <laughs> put him down, son. Might have to put Amos down. I don't think he's been put down yet. I need to marry Dougie so Merm lives on. <laughs> That's true. You That's know you're not going to get the designs done. That's, That's a good reason, yeah. For business. All right. <laughs> Next question. We got room for maybe like two more. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I got one from Kent Johns and Ian Williams. Well, you have to answer that Kent one. He's Johns? a celebrity. Yeah. Do you have any other good ones before we move on to mine? No, I want to hear what Kent Johns is asking us. All right, we're going to give save him for last. we got Ian William coming in second to last here. He says, when watching other people's videos, do you guys enjoy people with vastly different styles than your own, or do you prefer watching people who train similar Ooh, to I noticed this one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it away. I, I actually think um, people that have a super similar style to my own, I don't enjoy watching their movement as much because I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not super... Inspired by that, like, sometimes, well, actually maybe it's like 50-50. Sometimes it's like, holy shit, that guy moves just like me. I'm totally inspired right now to, like, go out and move like I move. And then other times it's like, like, I can do all that. <laughs> you know? Like, the egotism steps in and it becomes yeah, not fun to watch. Yeah. And then, of course, people that don't move like you is always so fun to watch. Right. It's like, for Almost me, all the it's, time, yeah. for me watching Daniela Bach, it's like, I've probably done most of that already. <laughs> the, well, the element, that, the element that plays in that he's not factoring in is watching other people that don't move like you that move like so many other people. And that's the most boring that thing actually, to watch. Yeah, that's is people that don't move like me, but move like I don't honestly even know how I move. So, obviously, the so most fun kinda, people to watch are the people that it's like, holy shit, I'm I don't even know how I, people I would say your parkour spirit animal is probably a sloth. Oh, that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. If it, I'm like, just chilling. Idea of I'm just chilling. I usually am like hanging from like three limbs on a bar. You do a lot of sloth like, shimmy. I kind of look to the right and yeah, I definitely. wait ten seconds. I look back to the left. And that's you're just like, day. you guys want to get some food, and then an hour later, <laughs> you're you're almost. I would say like to the car. I don't really know how I move, but I I know what I'm interested in, and I like I like both. I like people that don't move anything like me because it gives me ideas of like what I want to do, and I try not to pigeonhole myself into being like one style of movement. So I'm going to I'm going to try to not say like oh that guy moves like me, but I I will say like people that jump and do more traditional parkour esque style of movement is more probably what I do. I do like big jumps and stuff and I like big vaults and flips. So um for instance Kai Willis is like a favorite <clears throat> person of mine first, that's I'm like Kai Willis. <laughs> Sorry, every time I hear Kai Willis' name, I've been thinking of that Iggy Azalea song. <laughs> Kai Willis? I'm Kai Willis. Uh, I think Kai Willis is, for example, a person that I have the same interests as me in, in their movement, and I really like what he's doing because he's super innovative and he's so you know, talented and, and beast. But at the same time, like a lot of my favorite people don't move any... Like, I can't yeah. see myself even really doing some of those things, but... Um, I'd like to try them. I mean, yeah, common common interests are a thing. There's a reason why, like, Max Henry and Dylan Baker are such fast friends because they move so similarly to each other. Myself, uh, if I'm watching a video, the first superfluous movement flip twist I just 
hit X. I get that out of there. Because um, I know what parkour is, as described by David Bell. And so, generally, I don't watch anything acrobatic. Um, but, you know, on a serious note, Jake kind of, like, explained how I feel about it, is that really the only things that bore me are things where you see that the person isn't really finding their true personality oh. and movement. They're just copying um, what has been done and done and done. And so... But that, there's, a, there's something to not condemning... Um, trying out moves that somebody else invented Absolutely. that you'd never yeah. tried before, as Don't long as you feel like you're creating yourself in that space. Right. What it is when people, like, try to entirely design their style around some other person's style that they liked yeah. is when it it completely comes across that way. Yeah. And, and it's, you're it's like, not just this, one this, looks, this is as boring for me as it seems like it was for you to think up. Right, right, right. It's, yeah, it's not just one technique. It's an overall style, I think, yeah. that you start to, to feel. when it, it just seems like the person isn't interested in no. really finding their own uh, personality and movement. They're just copying the norm. But um, I, I watch all sorts of stuff. I'm into all sorts of stuff. But <clears throat> there is something to, um, I think, a link to the inspiration of finding someone who is interested in your style. And for that reason, I'm super stoked on Parkour Miramas, for example. I watch a lot of their stuff because they have a similar style to me and they're always doing innovative things that pump me up about going out and trying some of those things. So... If you guys don't know who those people are out in France, um, Parkour Miramas, definitely check that community out. Those guys are Miramas? And definitely Miramas. look outside of Parkour. That's my favorite thing to watch on oh, these days. Is, That's something we didn't touch on at all. Is not Parkour videos. Definitely. Dance. Not necessarily because I'm... Um, not, you know, the same reason I watch Parkour videos sometimes is not necessarily for the movement, but for, like, the... Innovation. Just the culture of it. Oh, yeah. And the innovation, for sure. And, like, you're going to see sometimes... Things that'll it'll spark your imagination, or just that you've never seen, or you that you think you could bring into the parkour community, um, actually by looking outside of it. Yeah, me and Dougie have started um, getting really involved in the dance community here in Boulder for that mm -hmm. reason. I know Jake's pretty interested in getting started. Um, just Ballet. because <laughs> your strides will get better. Maybe we're pro dancers. <laughs> maybe more aesthetic. Well, Ballet dancers are toes. seriously strong. Like ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Have you felt ballet dancers' legs before? I definitely, well, I definitely, there's a, there's a certain <laughs> type saying. of movement that I love that I don't see a huge amount of, and the person that I'm going to call out, probably doesn't get called out very often at all, is Trevor DeGroote. I don't, like, don't, I don't know if anybody knows who this guy is. He sounds real familiar. But he's, he's flexible as fuck, and it, and it totally <laughs> shines through in his movement to where it just looks so... Cool. It looks so good. He almost looks like a rag doll flopping around in something, but not, not in a clumsy way, not like in an almost graceful way, and in a way that normal tresseurs and free runners are like not capable of doing. And it's like one of the things. Every time I watch him do like a front flip or like, uh, you know, any kind of vault, I'm just like, your legs are weird. I love it. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think it's one of the biggest things right now is like seeing the integration of all these other arts. Um, into a lot of the movements we're familiar with. It's or do you cool. do you remember the? Uh, oh God, I don't. Rem I don't. I, I guess I didn't even introduce myself to this kid, but he was at the North American Parkour Championships, the first one, um, and he was doing all of the stuff where he could just swing his legs straight up into lotus position. Oh, I know him. And do uh, everything yeah. right there. Do you remember his name? That's like that uh, B-boy influence. What's his yeah, name? yeah, sure. Like a lot of my favorite free runners are have B-boy baking. 
like the hybridization of a breaking or uh well we'll have to look into that because i feel bad that i'm trying to like call him out right now and i don't i didn't i didn't actually introduce myself to him but yeah that that kind of shit is legit i think that's huge ivan sapchuk's one of my favorites he's got like a lot of b-boy influence yeah live bar is obviously oh yeah ridiculous and like super innovative like his lines um were a lot of people's favorites including mine in the Barcelona video because they were yeah, so or in unique. the storm videos honestly in the storm videos in general for sure but like especially um of of late I was like damn that was like really cool but damn last question last, last question from Kent Jones Jones so sad I can't believe Tons. what do you each believe the American scene slash community <clears throat> is lacking in most and what do you think America is excelling in most as well uh, doubles we're we're lacking doubles. Yeah, don't do enough doubles. Well, anyone, actually anybody under 15 right now is doing plenty of doubles. <laughs> um, no, I think the American scene is most lacking perspective. Um, I don't know. If, if that makes sense to you guys, like, here I love your, I love your perspective, Amos, because you travel so much. And in general, I love the perspective. Like, you travel out of country, and so you have an even wider perspective that allows you to just view the movement in an entirely different way. But even people that travel around the country have such a wider perspective that I value so much. Just anybody that travels has a wider perspective. And the yeah. further you travel, the wider your perspective is going to be. So I'd say perspective, yeah. That's the one thing I think American communities lack, just a whole bunch of. Yeah. And what do you think they have best going on? Or, like, what's a strength of ours? Ah, oh, shit. Um... Mm. Energy drinks? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? How about this one? Swag. Swag. We're the only ones with swag, probably. We're the only ones with swag, it's, but we're... I don't even know if anyone's adopted the word outside <laughs> of the U.S. You know what the interesting thing is? I'm pretty sure the swaggiest community I can think of is probably like Farang or something. Not when I think of their style, I think <laughs> that's, that's probably what Americans would describe as swag. I don't know. Well, oh, man. I really have no about idea how to answer any aspect of this question come to think of it. <laughs> What do yeah. you think? What do I think? Uh, let's see. You know, if I were to compare it to a lot of my travels, when I think of, like, the Tokyo scene, a lot of the French communities, uh, uh, the groups in Mumbai, India, um, uh, a lot of the Mexican tracers I've trained with, I think the biggest difference I see, it really is intention, unfortunately. Um, at, and I'm not saying all American tracers are like this, but... I see a lot of lack of um, strong intention behind movement, and it seems like a lot of them are just trying to put out the next big video um, and one-up each other, and their friend did it, so they do it to kind of attitude. Whereas in my travels, I saw a lot of communities where you know people were doing it for the love of the movement um, to challenge themselves on a very personal level. Um, you just saw more of an authentic connection to the movement, um, in a lot of those communities, so... You know what? You know what? I, I want to do another shout-out. <laughs> this is just going to be an episode yeah. of shout-out. I don't know how many shout-outs shout you usually out. do, or if you've even shouted out this particular person before. Yeah. But as you're describing this, mm-hmm. I'm I'm seeing a standout person in my mind as far as their movement and the intention behind it, and that's Eric Wolf. And yeah. it's, like the content that he puts out is, as far as I know, almost exclusively just Facebook. But he's putting out movements of the day Every day, as far as I as far as I know, and I I watch and I love every single one of them. It's because yeah. every one of them usually is really long and really well intentioned and and yeah. It's don't, really don't get me wrong. There are amazing. a few. There are a few for sure. 
out there that are going strong with that. But I guess when I think, and, and it's hard to, to actually answer this because the United States is a huge um, sample here. Oh, and sure. There are tons of communities yeah. there. Like some communities more than others right. fall into this. So it, it's actually a really difficult question for that reason. But overall, and maybe it's just, you know, language barriers or... I don't know, just like short amount, of, short amount of time in another country, or just it could be a lot of different factors. But overall, that's kind of the feeling I get. Let, let me let me ask you one question. Yeah, not a fan question. I'm not a fan of you. Oh, okay. Um, what do you think outside communities, communities outside of America, think of American mm. movement? Um, let's see. A lot of the French communities think. That I mean, I don't want to get into generalizations here, but I have heard a lot of feedback that Americans are perceived as going too big, like going going for big jumps and not really focusing on quality movement. Hmm. Um, it's almost like we're kids that are trying to grow up too fast. We're going for stuff bigger than we're ready for, kind of like feel. It's I've heard a little bit. That, yeah. So we're getting a little Gaza Strip on this, or what was the Gaza parkour free running? Um, not that bad. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? You never saw the Gaza video? It's pretty infamous for, yeah. like, triple backflips where they're landing on their head almost. Was that Gaza? Yeah, yeah. yeah. unfortunately. Um, but no, 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 not that bad. Instead, um, it's just kind of this feeling that we're, we're losing that intention behind the movement, kind of what I'm expressing. Okay. Also, here's a huge international... Um, stereotype of Americans that is so much bullshit and it's really annoying because I hear this a lot as I travel but a lot of people think that Americans only train in gyms that's like what we do just like (laughs) we don't go outside and um, yeah we have some amazing gym videos from the US but that doesn't mean that we don't train outside and uh, that's one of the big ones that I hear from my travels okay that one seems pretty warranted as far as the amount of videos that you that you'll see. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. like I honestly I think that I think that's because the American mentality behind going outside. Usually, I mean, with us as a team, when we go outside, everybody wants to to do some shit. Like nobody wants to hold a camera and and film our stuff. So most of the time, you're in the gym. It's a more relaxed situation. You're willing to film for your friend or whatever. You're yeah. not like as pumped up and like. You know, sun's not shining on you. All that, all the aspects that come into like outside training. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely see all those reasons. I think. Maybe, well, no, and also the U.S. has the you most think, gyms. You right think now. that yeah. that is unwarranted, though, or you think that it's just personally I think, unwarranted? I think like, it's you're just. Like, a, I don't train in a gym all the time, but do you think that Americans overall train in gyms too much? Um, or you know, I, I think too I think much is like to, a. Yeah, it's, it's a much. weird thing to talk about because right. you know whatever it, it's not everyone's intention necessarily to to become the next. World star athlete yeah, or whatever. Yeah, a lot of know? hobbyists that enjoy getting exercise and having some fun. I'd say the majority but, of our students at Apex like right. don't have an interest in becoming Jason Paul. And or, also you're uh, looking at um, a situation where in the U.S. we have the most gyms open in the world out of like, you know, probably because the way our society is and the laws that we um, mm. um, have to deal with as far as opening businesses and whatnot, it's, it's a little bit easier on us. And so we have a lot of gyms. Therefore, we're going to have a lot of communities that spend a lot of time in gyms. Yeah, so, and so I think it's kind of like a natural mm. phenomenon, but I don't think it's fair to characterize, especially a lot of the top-level practitioners, just because you see a lot of gym videos. Um, so I think it's definitely a misinterpretation, but I think it's somewhat fair. I, I agree with you. I think it's fair because of yeah, all the people videos. people can only well, go off just, of what they've seen, sure. It's, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, 
there's almost like a I don't want to say it's like a inside club or anything, but there's there's some choice practitioners like most of the people that are influential in the community, the people that we all look up to and admire, have a huge like they put most of their emphasis on like outdoor training, and that's like what kind of counts, you know? It's like it's the whole act of exploring a, an area and actually interacting with a unique environment for the first time and not like being safe in the gym yeah. is kind of like what interests most of us. Well, I think that's also why and I think it's at... just like, it's our, you know, and I think it, it goes all the way back to like the roots of parkour or whatever is like the intention behind it is often to, to know yourself. And there's sometimes only so much you feel like you can, you can work on inside a gym without, um, without missing out on something, you know, by going outdoors. So I think that most of the people, including my, myself, it's not like I look down upon anyone who wants to just train the gym, but that's not what I would want to do. Like, I'm not uh, interested in just making more gym videos. Like, after Shoot and <laughs> Slam, I was like, never again. <laughs> never again. Never. <laughs> but um, those were great videos, and they, they, I, they I'd, I'd, post, me, I'd postulate that the reason that those were so, so great as videos is because most of the movements involved in the videos were almost repurposing the intention behind the structures as they were built yeah. to do different things that you guys wanted to do. So it didn't matter. Like a lot of times that would be, that would be like, Oh, things were a lot bigger than were than were intended. But a lot of times it would just be more interesting mm-hmm. than intended. So you were almost using the gym as you use the outdoors, <laughs> like as you have the outdoor mentality of low, this is not a handrail to help me down the steps. This is a, this is a different thing. So, yeah, yeah, but you had that yeah. with the gym videos and I think that sh- shined through with, Slam and Shoop and uh, a lot of like Kent John's gym videos as well. For sure. Um, all right, that pretty much covers it. I mean, like, that's it. I didn't really get addressed it that much, but I, I pretty much disagree with you what you guys were saying. This is the intention. And I think it's rough because a lot of us in America want to make parkour our living. And with that, like that sense of like in an American uh, culture is they, people are often looking for shortcuts, and it's it's it sours your your whole like experience with with the movement if you're really like focused on. I feel like I need to get famous, I need to get m- this much money, and to survive. And if you, it's gonna poison your experience with parkour, and it's gonna whether or not it results in a, a success quote unquote success like successful career for you is is. Um, inconsequential potentially to like um being authentic in your movement like you were saying yeah but uh you know it's hard to not sympathize with some of those people but uh i think you're right this perspective is uh is a problem is an issue (laughs) i'm just rambling (laughs) it's definitely the theme of the night is intention behind movement which i'm pretty pumped about yeah we talk a lot about that so sit down and think about what you're doing with your lives. If um, one last topic to wrap it up, because um, I see here you have on the subject list parkour edu, which is still no, we don't have time for parkour edu. We can re- okay, you'll give you. No, I just want to say one thing. Okay, I just want to say one thing because I'm not going to reveal the mystery. I still want to drive people a little nuts, but um, that is something that is I think really important and missing in our community is um, quality science behind um, what we're doing um, for the purpose of more sustainable development in our training and um, safer schools, safer 
um, quality instruction from um, from coaches, and uh, we're going to be launching a major nonprofit next year, um, most likely called the Parkour Edu Research Institute. So anyone who's actually been listening for this long. <laughs> These are the people I'm talking to. Honestly, now, I can't most even believe we're still interested. here. <laughs> I know. All three of us are still here. Listeners, are, if you're actually listening to this point, you're probably pretty interested. Um, if you have not heard of Parkway to You, you guys should definitely um, go look up the Facebook page, get connected, um, send your email in for updates because we're going to be taking this serious. Um, this is our passion. We want to make parkour more sustainable, um, better looking in the public eye. And we want to make sure that there's a lot of quality instruction, quality gyms out there um, to make sure that um, parkour just has a healthy growth. So if that's something that means something to you and you want to see parkour tackled in a very scientific way, please go check that out. That's going to be a big part of what I'm working on as well as Ryan Ford for the next couple of years here. Cool. You want to plug anything for your... Uh, I mean, aside Jake from... Smith. Take Facebook. your shoes off from time to time. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a pet project of my own right now that's um, still just passing some brainstorming phases, but it's something I feel really strongly about, and so just stay tuned for some Jake Smith stuff pretty soon. I, I'm hoping that it is uh, pretty unique in its conception, so yeah. Look out for the look out for some. All right, we've dragged down a long time here. Always going over with these freaking podcasts. This is pretty over. Mermlife.com, that's my plug. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. We'll see you soon. Good night. Take care, guys.